over the past 20 years, the church has had to deal with the very awkward and uncomfortable reality that members of the clergy over the years had been sexually abusing minors. And what we discovered was even worse, that some bishops knew about it and you know, they allowed it to continue. They didn't do anything with the priest right away. And it was an embarrassment to us and also a painful thing for us to realize that a priest who was somebody who was supposed to be uh, taking care of a child or, or an adult even and bring them to Christ instead was violating that child for his own purposes. And it was a horror that we've had to look at. And we tried in some ways to justify it, or not to justify it, but to put it in perspective and say that, well, if you look at the numbers of priests that were involved, uh, it turns out to be less than 1% of all priests who were active from 1950 to the current day were ever involved in sexual abuse of a minder. So greater than 99% of them had nothing to do with sexual abuse of a minor. And in one sense, perhaps that comforts us that we realize it's not a rampant problem that all priests are out doing that. But it's not, it doesn't make it easy, especially for the person who was abused to say, great. So I was the one who had to find the less than 1% of priests who did that. But we've had to wear egg on our face and we've had to apologize and it's been a scandal for us to have to deal with and the bishops have responded and now trying to take very seriously anybody who would harm a child. And of course, you don't need me to tell you how horrible that is, that for a child who comes to a priest, a priest is supposed to represent Christ to everyone. And when someone comes to a priest and is expecting to encounter Christ, somebody who will love him and respect him and treat him with the dignity that Christ himself would give him, would show him, and instead, violate that trust by using that child for his own selfish purposes, for his own physical gratification, how horrible that is. And of course, we condemn it with the strongest words imaginable. No matter how much we might try to justify anything along the way, the abuse of a child in such a manner is an unspeakable crime that we can never condone. But Sexually abusing a child is not the only way a priest can harm people. He can harm adults as well as children in other ways as well because of the fact that the priest is somebody that people hold up as an authority figure. He represents the bishop and the church to the people. He brings that authority that the, the bishop of the diocese has given to him. And he's supposed to be an altar Christus, another Christ. In fact, the day a priest is ordained, we say that his soul is ontologically sealed with, um, or permanently sealed with the seal of the priesthood and an ontological change takes place in his nature so that even though he continues to be the same man he was before, he is now indelibly sealed with Christ, that now he is Christ to the people. And as all of us as Christians are called to bear witness to Christ to the people, the priest is called to do so at a higher level so that when a priest says the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and pours water, it is Christ who is working through the words of the priest baptizing the person. If a priest says to somebody, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, it is actually Christ himself who is forgiving the individual through the words and the actions of the priest. And most importantly, when a priest takes a piece of bread and a cup of wine during the Mass and says the words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, take this and all of you 
all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. It is Christ himself who is changing the bread and wine into his own body and blood through the words and the ministry of the priest. And people acknowledge that, whether they realize it or not, people expect their priest to be Christ to them. They come to him to be somebody that's going to lead them to the Lord, lead them to Christ and to the truth. When they come to him, they're looking for answers and answers of how to solve the difficulties in their life, how to follow the Lord better, how to find the Lord in the midst of everything we deal with so that we can follow him and do what the Lord calls us to do. And a priest can harm people any time that he violates that trust as well by teaching people that their sins are not really sins, that something that the church is teaching them is you know, a sinful action, we must not do this or believe in that or whatever it may be. And because it's hard for some people in different situations because it means a conflict and a difficulty for them, would say to them, oh, well, no, it, well, in your case, that's not a sin. And in doing that, the person takes the authority of the priest as justification for him to follow that. And so, therefore, he starts saying, well, Father told me it's okay. And so, therefore, he goes out and does it. And therefore, that priest at that moment has taken one of these little ones who believes in him and led him into sin, given him permission to sin. And what does Jesus say in the gospel reading today? Anyone who leads any believer of mine into sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were tied around his neck and thrown into the ocean. Powerful words, strong words of condemnation by the Lord for anyone who would violate that trust and teach somebody that what God has taught is sinful is not really sinful, and it's okay for them to carry that out. Because then he is leading them not to Christ, but away from them, and maybe even leading the people to, the priest might be leading people to love Father, but not to love Christ. Why would a priest do that? Why would any priest, and sadly we know many who do, tell people that what the church teaches is sinful for you is not really a sin? Some of them, it's because they don't agree with the church teaching. And so they decide, I know the church may clearly say that such and such an activity is sinful, but I don't agree with it. So therefore, I'm going to tell you it's okay for you to ignore it. How dare he? What arrogance? Who authorized him to speak a fallacy in the name of the church and to lead people to believe that what the church teaches is in fact not true? In effect, he's saying, in fact, I said this to somebody once, so what in fact you're saying is that all of the lines in Scripture that clearly condemn this activity and all the popes who have ever written and all the doctors of the church and all the great saints and the councils and everybody who have clearly looked at this issue and uniformly condemned it as something sinful, God has deceived all of them. He has deliberately led all of them into lies, and he has chosen you to be the one singular vessel of his revelation of truth, that you are the unique manifestation of Christ, that all the church has been wrong for 2,000 years, and God chose you to bring the truth to the world? Is that what you're trying to tell me? What arrogance for somebody to think that way simply because he doesn't agree with the teaching of the church. But in fact, no priest is ordained to preach his own opinion. A priest is ordained to preach and teach to the people what the church teaches, and that is his duty, to go out and represent Christ and the church to the people, never his own opinion. 
And somebody who leads people to his own opinion rather than to the church, well, Jesus has strong words of condemnation for that because somebody will listen to what he said and says, Father says I can do that, and, we'll and then we'll go and commit a sin, and it is the words of the priest who have made that person sin, and he will be held highly accountable by God for that. As Jesus says in the gospel reading today, it would be better for him if a great millstone were tied around his neck and he'd be thrown into the ocean. But some people, some priests who would give bad advice on that are not necessarily because they disagree with the teachings. In general, they may accept it, but they're trying to be compassionate. And they're understanding that somebody who is involved in a situation where any of the hot topic issues that you want to think of, in order to follow that teaching, it's going to mean a radical change in their life, that they're going to have to see things completely differently, maybe totally change the whole way they want to live their lives in order to be faithful to Christ. And they know it's painful, and they want to be compassionate, and we all do. Of course, nobody wants to be told he's lacking in compassion. So we try to be compassionate and understanding that, yes, people are dealing with difficulties. They're in pain, and we want to help them. But we don't help them by saying, well, okay, yes, the church teaching is that way, but for you, you have an exception, because in your case, it's different, so it's all right for you to do it. That's a misplaced compassion. And a misplaced compassion is far worse than somebody who has no compassion. If somebody came up to somebody and just said, listen, to do that is a sin, so just deal with it and get with the program, well, we kind of say, come on, a little compassion, a little understanding on the person. But that person with lack of compassion would not be harming the person as much as the priest who tells somebody, in your case, you have an exception. You can do something that the church teaches is sinful because it's okay for you. And they do that because they don't want to help the per they don't want to see the person suffer. And who does? Who wants to see people suffer? And when people are suffering, we want to help them. But the proper way to help them is not to tell them to throw their cross aside and say, don't worry about it, Jesus would never expect you to bear all this sorrow, but rather to help them embrace the cross and say, okay, yes, in order to follow the Lord in this situation, yes, you must sacrifice. Yes, you're going to suffer a little. Yes, you're going to have to deny yourself something you would very much like to do but we'll be there to help you. As Jesus carried his cross, and he tells us, take up your cross every day and follow in my footsteps. Enduring this and following this teaching is the cross that you must bear, and I will be there to encourage you and strengthen you every step along the way. That is the truth. That is what truly helps the person, to help them live out what they need to live in order to follow Christ and therefore avoid the sins of this world and enter into the glory of God's kingdom. And sometimes, of course, when we look at it and say, well, do you really think God is expecting that person to suffer like that and make all those sacrifices? And the answer is yes. What does Jesus say in the gospel reading today? If your right hand is your undoing, cut it off and throw it away. Wow, that's big. I mean, imagine if we had to do that. Now, Jesus doesn't mean this literally, that if you're sinning with your right hand, you chop it off. But he's saying that even things in our lives that seem necessary to us, that we must have this, it would be better for you to live without it than embrace that and be condemned because of it. Cut out, if your eye is your undoing, pluck it out and throw it away. In other words, things that are even seemingly important to us that we don't know how we could live without them, the Lord says if they're going to keep you from salvation, it would be better for you to live 
in, in pain and in torment even if you have to all the days of your life rather than to avoid that and find yourself condemned because you did not follow me. So yes, the Lord does expect us to make big sacrifices in, all, in order to follow him. And he never said life on this earth would be easy, but he said we would carry our cross and he would be there with us to help us every step of the way. And so priests hold a high responsibility in trying to teach people the truth. And any priest who commits a, you know, teaches somebody else to sin is, grave, is in uh, grave moral danger there. And even a priest who sins harms the people that look up to him. In fact, any, any sin, you know, when we looked at the sexual abuse of the clergy, some people were trying to justify it and say, well, yes, it's true, Catholic priests abuse kids, but so did leaders of other religious denominations and you know, school teachers and coaches and all sorts of other people, they did too. So why are you coming down so hard on the priests? In fact, the number of priests was less than the number of other places, the percentage of people who abuse children. And on the one hand, people who say that are correct in that there were people with an axe to grind who were certainly using this to fuel their own animosity for the church and try to make us look as bad as we possibly could because they want to see us diminished. And there's definitely truth to that in some situations. But on the other hand, people are absolutely right to hold a priest to a higher level of responsibility because of who a priest is. Any priest's sins are more serious precisely because he is a priest. In fact, when a priest goes to confession, if the, other, if the confessor who's hearing his confession does not know that he's a priest, he must tell him. So if I go behind the screen, I must tell the person, or I meet a, 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 stra a priest that doesn't know me and I'm not wearing my collar, I must tell him, and I am a priest. Because a priest's sins are automatically more sinful, because more is expected of him to whom more is entrusted, as Jesus said. And so we are right to hold our priests to a higher level of responsibility because they hold our hearts and our faith in their hand. We come to priests with trust, looking to be nourished in Christ, looking to be fed, looking to be shown the right way to find him. And any time a priest would violate that, whether it's by a sexual act or giving people bad teachings, telling them to disobey something the church teaches, that is a serious grievance on the part of that priest that the Lord will hold him very accountable for when he stands before him in judgment. But it's not just priests that are in that position. Anybody who is a role model in any way, shape, or form for young people or for other people holds that same responsibility. So athletes rock stars, actors and actresses, politicians, anybody that people would look up to and say, hey, I like this person, I emulate him. Hey, you know, that guy has thrown more successful touchdown passes than anybody else in the game of football. Wow, I really want to be like him. People look up to somebody like that, and they will take their actions even off the, the playing field seriously. And we certainly can't say, certainly couldn't say to somebody, well, you know, don't worry about what I do off the field. Don't worry that I beat my wife. Just remember that I've hit more home runs than anybody else in one season. Nobody would buy that. Naturally, when somebody who is famous that we look up to, that we admire, commits a crime or a sin, if they're caught drinking and driving or doing drugs or something else, it hurts the people who look up to them. They feel let down. And I remember once hearing an athlete saying, you know, well, I never asked to be a role model for children. I just play ball. Well, unfortunately, you got it whether you like it or not. 
because anybody that looks up to us, we are naturally a role model to them, and we don't get the option to sign an agreement to say, I will be a role model for you, or no, I won't. Anybody that anyone looks up to is a role model for that person. So yes, all of the people in the <clears throat> entertainment industry and the sports and all the things, they have an obligation to people, if they look up to them, to be teaching them the truth of Christ. Most especially those who are Catholic and those who claim to be devout Catholics. And today this comes up most particularly among our politicians, where we have several politicians who claim to be devout Catholics and yet are standing up and publicly and vocally disagreeing with the church and defying it and saying, no, we will tell people and we will fight for the right for abortion or whatever the issue may be because we disagree with the church and we say it's right. And people even look up to their politicians because they belong to the same party, they voted for them, whatever it may be. And sadly, sometimes listen, people listen to the politicians more than they will listen to the authority of the church. And when people hear them, they say something and they justify following it because this person said so. So-and-so is an elected official and they're a Catholic and they claim to be a devout Catholic. So if they can believe in that and if they can do that, then so can I. And what has ended up happening? That politician or that rock star or whoever it is has now led a faithful believer of Jesus into sin by their own public refuting of what Jesus has taught. And what does Jesus say again in the gospel reading today? It would be better for that person if a great millstone were tied around his neck and he'd be thrown into the sea. And it's not just famous people, all of us. Any one of us who has anyone in our lives who look up to us and, who, and we become a role model to somebody, whether it's a child, whether it's another adult, well, we hold that same responsibility. And people could uh, justify disobeying Christ because we do, because they see us living a life that way and say, well, you know, I did this, I did that, or that person, whoever it may be, and it could be a teacher, a coach, it could be an older brother or sister, a cousin, an aunt or an uncle, a parent, anyone, anyone that anyone else looks up to, when somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus willingly violates something, and instead of a, a teaching of, of Christ and his church, and instead of acknowledging and saying, I sinned, justifies it, we end up scandalizing others, and other people will say, well, my hero, that person who was my sponsor at confirmation, my godfather at my baptism, that person is doing it, so it must be okay. And you see how serious our mistake is that we end up leading people astray from the Lord. My brothers and sisters, there are many gospel readings in the course of the year that are, so, that are comforting, that give us great strength and make us feel good about ourselves. This is not one of them. This is one of those sobering ones where the Lord basically tells us, folks, you've got to shape up. And we've got to make sure we are never giving scandal to little ones by publicly violating a trust that anyone would give to us, whether we're priests or religious, whether we're parents or godparents, whether we're famous or just someone someone else looks up to. We have a great responsibility to other people, most particularly to our young, to make sure that if we call ourselves Catholics and we are practicing the faith, that we are never scandalizing them by believing and doing something and blatantly ignoring what the church teaches and leading other people astray and thinking that they can do it because we do it as well. The Lord says it would be better for us if a great millstone were tied around our neck and we were thrown in the sea than to ever lead astray one of our little loved ones. My brothers and sisters,
Today, let us embrace this sober and strong reminder of the Lord that you and I have an awesome responsibility to others. May we never teach people to throw aside their cross, to say, well, okay, I know to follow the church and your situation would be too hard, so you have the right to ignore it. For you, you have an exception. But only say no. The truth of Christ is the only thing that will lead us to salvation. And I understand, I have compassion on you, I realize that to do this is going to be very painful and very hard for you, but do it. Carry your cross, and I will be there to help you every step of the way, because I want to lead you in the truth of Christ, the truth of Christ alone, which will set you free. May Jesus Christ be praised, now and forever. Thank you for listening to this week's homily by Father Carrozza. If you enjoyed this homily, please pass the word on to your friends and invite them to listen. For more materials from Father Carrozza, please visit www.fathercarrozza.com.